thanks to everyone so much for joining the Community Matters Conference call on Youth Take Charge, Youth Taking Action and Making Change in Their Community. My name is Rebecca Sanborn Stone. I'm with Community Matters and the Orton Family Foundation. Uh, Bonnie Shaw is on vacation in Australia this week, so she's unable to join us, and I'm going to take over for her. With that, let's launch right in. We have an amazing group of speakers on the line today, and I'm so excited to introduce you to three people who are doing, or actually four people, doing fantastic work with youth, and in some cases, they're young people themselves. So we have Lottie Gatewood of the Boys and Girls Clubs of Palm Beach County, who's here to talk about the Rise and Shine Food Co-op, and Brianna Hollins, a high school junior who's a president of the Food Co-op, and she's here to talk about her experience as a young person making change here. We have Lee Crone, planning director for the town of Manchester, Vermont, talking about their work engaging youth on town boards. And we have Josh Arnold, who's the founder and director of GALA, Global Awareness Local Action in Wolfboro, New Hampshire, and the Sustainer Razors Project. So I'm going to turn it over to these guys to introduce themselves and get rolling talking about these amazing projects. So we'll start with Lee. Well, hi, and thanks, everyone, for being on here. My name is Lee Crone. I'm the planning director in Manchester, Vermont, and like many of us, we do many different things. In my past life, I was actually a teacher, so working with youth has been a fascinating way to blend both of those. In our case, the whole issue around youth came out of a project we actually had done with the Orton Foundation trying to create a new model for civic dialogue about controversial projects. And in this case, it related to a potential application for wind turbines on Mount Equinox, which is the cherished mountain here in Manchester. We had a series of public meetings, very fascinating exercise actually over the course of several months. And when we got together afterward to discuss what worked and what didn't and analyze the whole process, what we realized was an utter absence of any sort of younger voice in that conversation. And it really struck us because here we were talking about energy issues, ecological issues, the future of society, and we didn't have anyone here really representing the future. We learned later that there were actually vigorous conversations happening at the schools, but we never managed to tap into that. So in com conjunction with Orton, we got together with representatives at the high school and some of the student leaders of the school, and out of that really came a student-driven request as to how they could be more involved in civic affairs and town governance. So together and jointly and led by the students, we approached the legislative body in our community and asked what they might think about the possibility of having students on town boards, planning commission, design review, development review. We've got more boards in this town per capita than, than most communities. And wonderfully, the select board very quickly and unanimously endorsed the concept and asked me to go meet with all the other boards to see what they thought about it. And all of the other boards also thought it was a wonderful idea and basically said, let's go make this happen. So we went back to the school. We have a process for people to apply for these various boards, and we worked closely with the school. And it turned out that there were quite a few students who were trying, who were interested in, in getting engaged in, in civic affairs. So now we're into the fourth year plus on this program. We have two students on all of our town boards. In some cases, they do have a vote 
In other cases, due to legal limitations, they don't. But I can assure you that in every case, the adults on the boards really honestly want to hear what the students have to think about things and actively seek to engage their insight and input. And it's really made a difference. Um, it's been a bit of an adjustment for applicants who aren't used to speaking to younger folks on the boards. And it's certainly an adjustment for the high school students to take their place in a primarily adult world, sometimes more formal than they're used to. But it's been a fascinating experience. The students really love it. They don't always express that publicly, but I hear it privately all the time. Um, I hear it from their parents. I hear it from them in the sense of wanting to know how they can apply for a second term on a board. And in some cases, it's really changed their lives or their career path. And it's just been a wonderful and fascinating experience. At this point, it just feels like a very normal part of the process to have students on the boards, and it's really a wonderful thing. In the beginning, we did a really intensive orientation sort of session. We had a retreat with the students, and that was a fascinating experience in itself. That's been one weakness that I need to help us work on better is helping the students understand the pl their place on the board and the board's place in the community so that they have a better sense of the big picture and how their part of it fits into it. But the students really rise to the challenge, and they really get it about why we spend time talking about the things we do. And uh, I think I'll stop there, but it's just I encourage others to consider it. It's been a way for true engagement in an honest sense, not just creating opportunities for its own sake, but um, really trying to engage the students honestly in learning about community, caring about community, and how they can have an effect in changing the world. Great. Thanks so much, Lee. That was a wonderful introduction. And we'll have plenty of time to circle back and ask Lee questions. So if you do have any questions specifically for him or about this project, please feel free to enter them in the Google Doc or hang on to them, and we'll have time. Uh, let's move on to our other speakers first and get some more stories on the table. So I'm going to pass it over to Lottie and Brianna. Hi, everyone. Good afternoon. This is Lottie Gatewood, and I am with the Boys and Girls Clubs of Beach County, Florida, and I am here with um, one of my star teens, Miss Brianna Holland. And I want to tell you just a little bit of introduction about who we are as an organization, and then um, I'm going to really turn it over to Brianna because she, as I said, is the star. Um, the Boys and Girls Clubs in Palm Beach County, um, we are actually the largest facility-based youth development organization in Palm Beach County and one of the largest um, Boys and Girls Club networks throughout the Boys and Girls Clubs of America. We have 13 clubhouses throughout the county and we serve on an annual basis 7,000 um, economically disadvantaged youth from the ages of 6 to 18. Um, our annual budget is a little less than $10 million. Um, so we're pretty big, and we serve a lot of kids. Um, a couple of years ago, the organization um, really sort of took a look at what we were doing for our teen population. You know, as a as an evidence-based and outcome-driven uh, organization, we you know we really take we're taking a look at 
some of the statistics out there, and we knew from our own communities what was happening to our teens. Our teens are dropping out of school. There's a lot of truancy. There's a lot of crime. There's a lot of participation in gangs. There's a lot of alcohol and drug abuse. All of the things, all of those at-risk behaviors um, were really predominant in the communities that where we're located. Um, the graduation rates well, nationally are dismal, but really, really dismal for the youth that we serve, especially the minority populations that we serve in Palm Beach County. So taking a look at that, we said, what can we do that will really attract teens to the club? What will help them get here, and what can we do that will keep them here? Because we know that when kids come to the clubs, they succeed. So we decided to survey our teens and have them tell us, you know, what are they looking for? And our teens, the two predominant things that our teens were looking for was they wanted to develop the skills that would enable them to get jobs and they wanted to earn money. So we said, well, we can make that happen. Um, so the first thing that we did is we uh, looked at a couple of curriculum and we selected a curriculum from the National Foundation for Teaching Entrepreneurship and invited our teens to participate. And we told them that they could go through this program, that they would learn every discipline to develop and manage a small business. And the kids also knew that the um, their, their final project would be to develop an actual business plan for a business that they could manage at the Boys and Girls Club. And I promised them that if they were successful, that I would raise the money and initially we would be able to hire 12 teens to actually manage the business. So we had 50 teens sign up because they wanted to earn that money. Um, and so as we went through the process, and the kids began to look into developing their business plan, our team decided that they wanted to develop a non-profit business because they wanted to give back to their community. And this was absolutely astounding. But I, I'm going to turn it over to Brianna because I want her to really tell you how they took that idea and moved forward. Hello everyone, my name is Brianna Hollins and I'm the president of Rising Sign Family Food Co-op. And adding on to what Miss Lottie was saying, um, after we got into our Biz E Club, um, we earned an intellectual grant from the leadership of Palm Beach County members. And they taught us things like marketing, selling, customer service, how we were going to finance our business, how we built strong business relationships, and what kind of business we would like to start. And we met every Wednesday and Thursday of the week. And to start off, we had to figure out what kind of business we wanted to do. And we sent out a survey to our club parents, and they let us know that 86% of the families were having a hard time putting food on the table. And what we wanted to do is help them get food and have them eat healthy and nutritious food. And coming up with 
the name for our business, we derive that from our core values, which are respect, integrity, service excellence, and enduring relationships. And from that came the word rise, and we made the business rise and shine. And our mission is to support local families and strengthen the communities we serve by increasing food and economic security and promoting social responsibility. So from there, we worked several months, and we finally finished our business plan with our with help from the leadership class, and we were encouraged to put our business plan into the Southeast Regional Competition for the National Foundation for Teaching Entrepreneurship, and we ended up winning first place for our region. And from there, it just continued to expand. We got funding from the Quantum Foundation. We received a $165,000 grant to start our business. And we also gained support from Share Our Strength in the Food Network, and they donated two organic gardens to two of our sites. And we were so excited because we had to apply for a position, just like any other Boys and Girls Club staff. Um, we're employees, just like everybody else, and we were finally getting paid, and we were hired under the umbrella of the Boys and Girls Club. And, of course, we had to go out with a bang when we opened up for our <laughs> grand opening. We invited everybody we could, local news stations, newspapers. Um, we even had a cook-off with some of the chefs of local restaurants and three families. And we just kept expanding from there. Um, we, from that point, we actually had a Making a Different segment on NBC Nightly News, and that boosted our program as well. Our publicity just went through the roof, and we are continually making new improvements. Um, there is a group of nine of us, and we work every day of the week trying to find new ways to make things better. We also um, launched our EBT cards where we are now able to accept them which is which is the electronic version of food stamps. And we have also expanded um, our business from the original site to two more sites in our south region and also in our western, western region. And we're also thinking about um, expanding to... One more site in West Yeah, one more site in West Palm Beach. Um, and that should be happening in a couple of months. And we're just, we, we have, our goal is to be able to send this business in every community that needs it. And there is no qualifications for this because everybody deserves healthy and nutritious eating and knowledge. And we also were invited to the Boys and Girls Club National Conference in New York last May, and I was able to present our business plan with another person, and they were very excited, and we just want to 
expand it, let everybody get a chance to do what we do and let teens be able to get jobs and just do good and do better with their lives. And there's so many positive benefits, not just for me, but the other teams that work in our program, um, the families that come to our distributions every other Saturday, and it's just such a positive influence, and it's really helping teams go in the right direction. Great. Thank you so much, Brianna. That was amazing. I was certainly not doing anything like this when I was a high school student and, and didn't know many people who did, so... It's an amazing story, and we'll be excited to hear more about it later. So let's keep moving. I know a few more people have just joined us. If you have, it would be great if you could put your line on mute just so we don't have background noise. You can do that by pressing star six and take yourself off any time by pressing pound six. And with that, we have a couple more stories to hear, and then we'll have some time for questions. So let me turn it over to Josh Arnold. Cool. Thanks, Rebecca. Um, these are great stories. I'm excited. Um, so my name is Josh Arnold, and I'm speaking to you from the Ossipee Mountain Grange Hall in Ossipee, New Hampshire. Um, and I'm found, founding director of an organization called Global Awareness Local Action. We go by GALA. And uh, I have two sort of parallel stories that I think are, are relevant to this call, and, and one of them is about about Gala and, and what we do, particularly the Sustainer Razors program that Rebecca mentioned. But then the other story is sort of how I got here to Gala um, and how I, you know, ended up in this place where I'm doing, you know, exactly the work that I love as a community organizer and are able to um you know find the support and and do that in a almost full-time uh position so um i'm going to start there and um uh i'm sorry for the redundancy for lee and lottie but um so i i went to school um for i uh, did an independent major on on sustainability and sustainable development and that sort of thing it had a really international focus um, and quickly got involved with um, a youth caucus um, of the United Nations and was participating in these international negotiations and, uh, you know, lobbying for different policy and language and, and development plans and so forth. And it was it was all exciting and well and good, and I met some amazing, amazing peers, very inspirational, but it, it was very, like, abstract to me and for me at that time. And... Um, I just had this um it was I had this unease about um you know addressing policy issues um and and uh, for uh, you know people that I had never met or places I'd never been that were so far and it again it just seemed very abstract so um through that experience I had this sort of shift in in perception and um I decided you know that that there was a lot of work I could do at home so although it was you know, appealing or attractive to go travel to distant places um, and do this sort of thing. I, I, um, I decided that I really wanted to go back to my home state of New Hampshire, and particularly to where I had a lot of connections um, to people and also to the land um, in in the Lakes region of New Hampshire. Um, so I did just that. I moved back and um, I invited. It all started. I just invited. Um, several people, um, you know, community leaders I knew of, family, friends, um, to a potluck and just 
you know, asked, you know, how, how can we be the change and how can we make a difference and, you know, what are some of the issues that, you know, you've been all struggling with because, mind you, I'd, I've been away at school for a number of years and so it was a chance for me to get back and then really within within a year we had a board of directors, we filed for our 501c3, we had a nonprofit, um, and I started, you know, building these these um, connections, you know, a lot of people were really thrilled to see me move back to town when a lot of people, a lot of young people my age from New Hampshire are are leaving and relocating elsewhere. So so the support was there. And, you know, we had a sponsor who, who would file our, you know, our annual report and, you know, a CPA who would do some of our accounting. Um, and so we had these different sponsorships pop up and so forth. And so... Um, and so now here I am, and I work just about full-time with Gala. Um, we have an office, and we have actually a full-time AmeriCorps VISTA member working with us as well right now. Um, and I think it's just uh, a good part of my story because, you know, it, it just demonstrates to, to youth and peers that, you know, you really can um, go out there and do what you love. Um, and so, so I share that element of it. So the other story of what we're doing now is this, um, one of our, our most popular programs is called Sustainer Raisers, and we mobilize teams of youth and, and volunteers to conduct these uh, essentially sustainable home and yard makeovers. So um, anything from helping folks set up a garden, it could be you know a series of raised beds or um, something like that, or a compost bin or a rain harvest system, Clotheslines. Um, we're getting into solar hot water systems. We even do um, like little cold frames or greenhouses. We're uh, starting to get into root cellars. But any sort of um, sort of low budget, um, you know, sustainable assets that you can do that can help reduce pollution, um, make you more self-sufficient, and, and save some money in the meantime. Um, so, so that's what we do. And then we're also um, you know, we wrap that whole project into, um, and there's an educational element as well as sort of an entrepreneurial um, uh, element as far as, you know, we we discuss the different ecological principles around, let's say, composting or water conservation um, and the benefits that, that can be had there environmentally, socially, economically. Um, and then we also... Um, trying to strengthen, this is, I think, the part of our program I'd like to see strengthen the most is, is um, you know, combining that with these projects with sort of marketable skills. So, um, like Brianna was just saying about, um, you know, the marketing element, the customer relations element, um, those things that, that our youth participants can take with them as they go forward in their career path. Um, and so, so that's kind of that's where we're at, and it's a heck of a lot of fun, and um, I'm so thrilled to, to share this story with you. Great. Thank you, Josh. That's wonderful. Um, one more reminder to folks, if you are in the line listening in and could put your phones on mute at star six, that would be wonderful. Um, we have two people signed up to share their stories as well, so if they'd like to each take five minutes and, and tell us what they're working on in terms of youth action, that would be great. We have Craig Schroeder. Are you on the line, Craig? Yes, I am. Great. Would you like to tell us who you are and what you're working on? Thank you all very much. I 
really enjoy uh, hearing these great stories. It's wonderful. Uh, I work for the um, Center for Rural Entrepreneurship, which is a uh, nonprofit organization that works around the country, and I specifically focus on youth engagement. And I just wanted to share a little bit of background on what we do and then talk specifically about a, a um, youth uh, program to illustrate um, the impact that um, youth are having in, in rural communities. And, Josh, I really appreciated your story, especially about returning home to New Hampshire. I also re returned home as a young person back to our family farm. So congratulations, and hopefully more youth on the call will make those same decisions because it's really important that you lead our communities into the future here. Um, today we've uh, worked with about 25,000 young people around the United States through our youth assessment work to identify youth priorities and opportunities to engage youth. And what's really exciting uh, in the rural context is how many young people would like to stay or come back to their hometowns, but most young people tell us that they don't feel that opportunities exist for them to do that because there's a lack of engagement of youth uh, while they're still uh, in our school systems as young people to prepare them for those opportunities, uh, to engage them in leadership and community service roles, and to invest in the youth priorities that uh, they think are important uh, so the community is an attractive place for them to come back to. So one community that we've worked with uh, very intensely over the last six years is uh, McCook, Nebraska, which is a town of about 8,000 people uh, close to the Colorado-Kansas border. And they've had chronic out-migration since the Great Depression. Uh, you know. And so when we started working with them, we found out that actually 52% of the uh, junior high and high school students said they would like to stay or come back to McCook if they could but about 80% said they didn't see opportunities to do that. So they immediately started to engage in a strategy that has five key components uh, to engage youth. The first one is they have a task force that meets on a quarterly basis made up of the various youth program leaders and, and uh, community leaders that uh, are committed to youth engagement uh, within McCook, and they um, work together to deliver resources and programs and funding to support the priorities that youth identify. Um, tied to that is a 4-H entrepreneurship camp that they've held the last three years. They now have three camps. They have a half-day elementary age introduction to entrepreneurship. They have a three-day uh, middle school camp, which actually helps young people start to conceptualize a business concept and uh, actually sell products uh, at the end of that camp in the community and now a um, high school level marketing uh, camp for young people that actually have a business and want to take it to the next level. They also have a community youth foundation board that's aligned with their local community foundation and the uh, adult uh, board members um, seed funded that youth board uh, at, at the initial stage to give them some money to, to work with but then the youth went out and raised matching funds and have done several community-based projects recently. They bought equipment for their local school that otherwise the school said they couldn't afford that they thought was important. Uh, they've done some work on walking trails uh, and things like that in their community to make it a more attractive place for, for young people to live. And then uh, there's also a group of uh, young adult leaders, uh, 19 to age 25, that really um, didn't feel like they had a role in the community. Most of them are single. Many of them have Internet-based businesses, so you wouldn't see them really on Main Street as a typical business owner. And they came together to uh, do a set of activities that really was designed